Sam, episode two, episode 22 of Sassy Matter. Oh, hold on. Sorry. Tim, your name is Tim. I can't call you Sam because if I called you Sam, I would get kicked off the PGA Tour. That's a rule we're enforcing now. We won't enforce it in this podcast. Anyways, Tim, these two episode 22 of Sassy Matter. We have our superlatives of the NFL preseason. Talk a little golf. Begrudgingly discuss Jake Paul, Tyrone Woodley. And we're going to end on super teams. <laughs> They're everywhere. In our cups this week, it's an IPA from Freeport, Maine and a blind taste test for many breweries across America. Follow us on Instagram at Stats of Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast. Find Stats of Matter wherever you get your podcast. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google. Ask Alexa to play it. It will. They'll do it on command. Tim, let's get into the show. Let's go. Hey, what do you got for us this week? You're, you're smirking like... Uh, <laughs> Like, like you got a winning Powerball ticket or some shit. Just go, just lay it on us. What are you doing for what's in my cup this week? All right, so I'm going to mix it up just a smidge. Um, so I, I have uh, a, a beer. I think I did it a couple weeks ago. Insert hip-hop reference anywhere. It's a triple IPA from Monkish and Trillium. But it got me thinking, right? Like, this beer comes out. We called it a whale. Um I don't want to say it was underwhelming. It was great, but it wasn't necessarily the, the best triple IPA I've ever had. So I decided what I was going to do is uh, procure a couple other triple IPAs, both local and some from uh, a couple states away. So what I have is five triples five. Um, that have been poured into uh, numbered cups. I'm going to sample each one. I'm going to choose which one of them is my uh, favorite of the of the five here and see if I can even pick out which one is the Trillium. Now, to make it even more fair, they've all just been poured, so they still have sort of the, the, the white head. Um, trillium head retention is not something uh, we've said together <laughs> in the last few of these beers that have come out, uh, but... It's it's holding up in here, so all I have is like white foaming cups, so I can't even tell visually the difference between them. But what I have is hoof-hearted uh, $120 nachos. I have uh, Rare Fog from Abomination. That's part of their Enigma line. Impact Wrench from Industrial Arts. Ultraviolet Ray from Relic Brewing, which is one who's close to us. And then, like I said, insert hip-hop reference anywhere. So uh i'm just gonna dive in sam i'm gonna have you pick one through five and we'll go that way let's go three three bob so three. rest in peace okay. bob barker <laughs> is that your is that your final answer we'll just get all of our game show references uh <laughs> yes one. yes alex <laughs> all right this one's good um definitely a little bit more like it feels thicker on the palate um, uh, not as bitter as I was hoping. It smells great. I actually think we might have potentially nailed Trillium right off the right off the rip. Yeah, objection, your honor. You didn't see any of the the head on that that beer. You knew. You knew. No, no, they all they all have the same amount, which is it's crazy. Maybe it's the paper cups. Okay. All right. Uh, three. Okay. Next number. One. There's one. Okay. I mean, I'm also going to feel pretty great after these because I'm basically taking yeah. shots of uh, <laughs> triples. All right. This one tastes 
This one tastes like it's got a little bit more of that sort of uh uh like buttery popcorn flavor which i know is a uh like an off flavor yeah when it's there's not something that gets screwed up in the uh i mean it's still this is gonna be the difficult part because one you know my palate's gonna get blown up after each one of these sips but um you can tell the quality difference between the two of them and it's you know it's gonna be tough because i'm literally stacking them up against each other immediately so some of these i might really enjoy if i was just sitting down and having it for the first time but because I'm directly comparing it to, you know, a, a, a competitor. Some of these critiques might sound more harsh than what uh, I'm intending, but um, very good. But it definitely has a little bit more of like, a, there's an off flavor in there that kind of takes away from some of it. So three was definitely better than one. Well, to be honest, three is probably trillion. So <laughs> I, it, it very well may have been, to be honest, like, uh, it had a very smooth, sort of clean finish. Like where that one, um, that's my least so far. All right, uh, two, four, five, four, four. Right. I'm writing these down, by the way. I'm taking notes. Yeah. This one smells like a cup of marijuana. I'm not kidding. I'm assuming that's what this would smell like. Allegedly. Allegedly. Nope, that one's uh, that one's the new not so good one. Uh, so four is down. I get strong grapefruit, um, uh, like big pillowy sort of mouthfeel, but not kind of like in a good way. It feels four, like four uh, is relic. I'm guessing it 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 potentially could be. Um, but that's like a mouth. You know how you take a like a quick swig of uh, like soda water, that mouthful of bubbles you get. Yeah. Like uh, when something's super carbonated, mm-hmm. I get that with this, but the flavor behind it's not, not the best. It um, it's like a watered down grapefruit almost. The most impressive part about all of this is that none of these have like a huge alcohol bite, which you used to get early on when triples, you know, really started hitting the market. They were unrefined. They were super, super pumped up abv wise and it came through when you had a zip i mean trillion monkish even the big hitters still did the same thing um none of these have that they're all relatively smooth but uh yeah flavor wise that that ain't it fam that's not it Hmm. Uh, um next two okay this one smells like not much of anything it's got like a slight hint of Almost like mangoes, maybe some kind of candy. And it's funny because the taste kind of follows that where there's like, it's not good. It's not bad. It just doesn't have like an overly like this, whatever one, this one is would be dangerous as hell to have kicking around because one, it's not blowing up my palate. It's like smooth. It's, clean and i would say like on the crisp side but doesn't have like a bam in your face flavor which you would kind of expect from a, a triple ipa it doesn't like it's so strange like do i have covid because hmm. doesn't smell like anything doesn't taste like much of anything like if you had a four pack of this 
you would not know you're drinking like a heavy, heavy, but you'd baby be beer. You'd be you'd be annihilated by the end of it, probably. Yeah, because you would. Some of them, they're just the flavor is so bold, or the the bite is so strong that you're like, yeah, I'll have like one or two of these. This, it's like a man. It's like a beer flavored soda water. Hmm. <laughs> That's number two. It's number two. All so right. that leaves us with five. Five. Yep. This one smells a little bit more piney. Mm. Mm. Kind of follows that pine a little bit too. Wow. I don't. This one has like a hard pine, like pine nut style flavor to it, which is not something I was expecting because of that does not sit well. And now that it's been like moving around a little bit, the smell that comes out of this isn't that great either. Uh, yeah, five in my opinion. Oh, five is five is the bottom. (laughs) Oh, I'm not even going to finish that one. Um, yeah, all right. So, in order, I have, uh, I would say three, two, one, four, five. Interesting. That'd be the order that I would uh, I would have them in three three and two I could probably flip back and forth but it's I like the flavor of three and the fact that two just doesn't have a bold flavor to it um, I feel like as you separated these and if you just had them on their own uh, one through one two and three would be pretty good four maybe not so much five I'm crossing off the list like I will not be seeking this beer out again. So now I'm going to flip it and reveal which ones these Hold are. Hold on. Before you do that, I've written some notes down, and I think I can guess which ones belong to which. Okay. So you had right, let's, you uh, had the Trillium Monkish, you had Relic, you had Hoofhard, you had Abomination. Who was the other one? Um, Industrial Arts. Okay. So here's I'm going to write down who I think. I'm going to go, I think Trillium is... Probably three. Yeah, that's what I said too. I think hoofhearted is maybe two. Yeah, that's what I said too. I think one is probably uh industrial arts. Mm, I'm gonna disagree with you. I'm gonna say that's probably abomination. Ooh, actually, uh You're right, you're right, you're right. I'm gonna go abomination and then industrial arts, and then I'm gonna go relic. You think relic's number five? I think so, which is tough because I like, um, I like the normal, I don't know, ultraviolet ray or or whatever it was. This is like their triple version of that. I like a lot of the stuff that Relic does. Um, quick side note: if you live in Connecticut or you're coming to Connecticut and you're like a whiskey scotch liquor fan, uh, one of the things that that brewery had uh, is uh, the biggest dark liquor collection in like all of Connecticut, and they have some scotches there that the owner went to the distillery for and uh, talked to the distiller. And some of these are like collection bound. They're $50,000, $60,000 bottles. But because they knew he was going to take them back and offer them to the general public, a lot of them gave them, uh, one of these ones gave them a bottle to sell and you can go in and try it, right? You can sample everything that they have there. But um, 
In any event, let's see. You ready? Yes. All right. Oh. You got to say this shit wow. out loud. You got to say this out loud, Tim. Come on. Oh, oh my God. All right. <clears throat> uh, do you want me to read them in order of one through five? Yeah, please do. Okay. Uh, number one, Impact Wrench from Industrial Arts. Wow. Okay. Number two, we got Hoof Harden. Yep. Shit, yep. Knew that. Number three, Ultraviolet Ray from Relic Brewing. Damn. Number four. That's the Trillium one. Red Fog from Abomination. What? And number five is Insert Hip Hop Reference Anywhere. God damn. We, 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 that is. Wow. We got smoked. I, look, look. I'm not even kidding. It's the only one I did not finish all of. I. Oh, well, you can't really see it in there, but it is. It is. It, I mean, I don't know if it's because I'm directly comparing it to everyone right now. It is not nearly as good as these other ones at right. all. It has like this pine, solly pine nut like. It's grapefruit flavor. Tim. To it's grapefruit. It, that like, that's that's what it is. It's grapefruit. No, it's not. It, that's not even <laughs> grapefruit. It's got like this oily feel it leaves on your tongue too. That's probably the hot. That oil. is. Yeah, but none of the others that are also triples have that same thing. Yeah, well, it could just be added. That is amazing. Or, or sugar. Funny enough, funny enough, Ultraviolet uh, is probably the cheapest of this entire bundle, too. I think if you went out and bought this four-pack, it would be like $12, $13 for this four-pack. So, moral of this story, kids, uh, the most expensive and harder-to-get beer in this entire little grouping that uh, that I have here was by far... Uh, the least. least desirable. Yep, of all of them. So that's man. that's an allegory, there, kids. Don't spend uh, thirty five dollars on a four pack of hazies. I, <laughs> I, I am blown away by this. Like completely blown away by what just transpired. Did you trick me? Are you sure you're labeling this correct? I labeled everything correctly, and when I heard you say this was your least, that's why I walked in because I was like. For the, for those who don't know, my wife helped set this up, and she just walked in, and I was making sure she didn't like set us up for for failure because she was very interested in finding out what this is. But what, I did not what set you up like. for failure. The only reason I walked in is because I heard you say number five was your least, and I yeah. was surprised because I knew number five was. <laughs> yeah, she, she's also saying she's also saying she had to walk in because the next time your ass is like, I think we need to go to Canton. She's gonna go. Remember that time? <laughs> that yeah. You, so you blind taste and tested, you say and it this sucked. One was your favorite. <laughs> Yeah. And that one you thought was going to be your least. You voted that that was number five. Yeah. Psychology, yeah. folks. The Psychology of beer. I know. I know. Wow. That is, uh, wow. Okay. Sam, uh, what are you following that up with? Tim, you <laughs> have been a very gracious uh, debater of me on this podcast with our beer takes. We don't see eye to eye on a lot of beer types. But I've had enough. I've had it up to here with you and your fucking main beer co-takes. <laughs> but uh, lunch is the best IPA, and it's the exact same thing as Pine of the Elder, which is heresy. So, you know, I just decided I don't really find a lot of main beer co-beer around here except for lunch. It's on the shelf. I'm not buying it, obviously. I'll get a peeper or a mo every now and again uh, if I can see Thank You 2020 or Thank You 2021 when it comes out. I might grab it. If I see King Titus, I'm grabbing all of them. It's my favorite main beer, co beer. I saw something on the shelf the other day. I just had to go and get it. Okay. Wolf's Neck. 
from Maine Beer Co. Here we go, okay. buddy. All right. I'm going to do you a right. solid. I'm going to do you a solid. I do right. like Maine Beer Co. beers. I just don't like the beers from Maine Beer Co. that you like. So I'm going to go ahead. To be, to be, to be fair, I don't think uh, it's the best IPA ever. I'm saying that comparative to some of the other ones that you're calling the best in that line, they are virtually identical. But as we just learned, identical beers don't always uh, equate to the same thing. Yes. So. Yeah, we, we certainly are learning that. Okay. Wow. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I'm just saying from, from the time I started smelling it, there's one thing I can give Maine Beer Co. a lot of credit for. Flavor profile. Mm-hmm. It's just over 9,000, like Goku reference, but it's soft. It's, it's a very soft. That's the way it just smells in the palate right now. As you can see, got a nice, nice big thick foam head on top uh it's it's relatively clear to look through it's it's a little hazy it smells amazing it smells like a like a candied mm-hmm. like hot pine mm-hmm. and it doesn't disappoint that's what i will say um i did happen to get a chance to get a double dinner uh last year around christmas time uh, I think that's probably one of one of my. Eh, it's probably top two favorite main beer code beers, but um, Wolf's Neck actually, all things considered, not bad, not bad at all, Tim. And I know that you're probably chuckling over there because you think that because I let Main Beer Co have a great beer that I'm just going to allow lunch to just come on in. That's not going to happen. But uh, no, you know, this is uh, this is pretty delectable. It's it's actually finally starting to like cool down a little bit here in Virginia. So shit, it might be Porter and Stout weather here pretty soon. You might see a hell of a lot more of these things on here. But uh this is not bad. This is not bad at all. I'm gonna give this a four two. Whoa! Man, and what how funny would it be if you learned the base beer that was like lunch or something? Similar? And it would be a three two, Tim. It would be a three two. <laughs> and I would have serious questions about what the brewing process is at Main Beer Co. If they take lunch and then they add something to it, <laughs> I um, while while you were doing that, I I scooted out to grab both the cans of the Relic Ultraviolet mm-hmm. and the Trillium, just so I could in like real time. Yeah, the 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 samplings get worse. <laughs> samplings get worse from you that. Couldn't even finish that. You had the, you had the cough. That's that's good. And, and what's funny is because I had the other one, like a, so I got two of them at the same time, and I saved one of them. I had the other one, and I don't know the difference between the red label and the white label. I have to look into that to see if potentially one was brewed in one location and one was brewed at the other. Um, get some of that Boston hot water, dude. Fuck! That is not a great beer. Like I'm not going to finish that one. Never meet your heroes, kids, except for us in the Sassamere Podcast. That's what's in our cup this week. Tim is gonna have. You're just gonna have to go through the five stages of grief for the rest of this episode. That's what you're gonna have to do. Let's move on. Let's talk a little preseason football. Mm -hmm. You've maybe caught a couple Mm -hmm. games. Mm -hmm. I was super worried that the Seahawks were gonna lose all their preseason games. They did not. (laughs) They won the last one, which is all that matters because it's preseason. Players aren't uh, aren't really getting meaningful snaps. It's weird because last year there wasn't really a preseason. 
There wasn't a lot of camps. So, you know, like now that we're going to 17 full regular season games and only three preseason games, you kind of take these with a grain of salt. The starters are going to get meaningful minutes in like one game, and that's going to be it. Tim, who has been your top team, top NFL preseason team thus far? Uh, man, that is a... I, I don't know if I, I put a lot of stock this year, like you said, uh, you know, based off of last year and uh, how things have kind of been coming into this year in terms of COVID, uh, all of that stuff. Um, but the Bucks have been a little fun to watch because you're kind of excited about, like, you know, obviously the thought of a repeat, but you saw what they were able to do with one season and no preseason linked up there. And we saw some growing pains going into that. Now they're all on the same page. Um, I had been somewhat excited for the Patriots because Cam Newton did look pretty good coming into this. And then you saw some flashes from Mac Jones. We saw how that all sort of panned out. We'll we'll get into that uh, a a little bit later, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. I don't know if I necessarily have a favorite. I mean, I got to go Patriots just because my my fandom there, and I think they have the most upside. Right? They made some moves in the off season. Yeah, they brought um, they brought in a couple guys. They they drafted the guy who, you know, while he did not go number one overall, he there were a lot of really smart people um, in the NFL who are generally involved with the NFL draft process that thought he might have been the best quarterback. Uh, in that class based off of like decision-making and his ability. And you saw a lot of that, especially in this last game. Um, He isn't a guy that's going to target just wide open guys. He goes through his progression. He goes through and uh, he picks his passes. Now from a fantasy perspective, that kind of makes things a little tricky. If you had some Patriots wide receivers or the the tight end uh, on your fantasy team, because well, I'm not ready to draw, you know, a lot of comparisons between him and Tom Brady. They do have some of the same skill sets and they have some of the same play styles where it isn't necessarily about getting the ball to some big open guy downfield. It's not about making your super, your superstar shine. It's about finding the best play that moves the sticks. So he's going to divvy it up. I think you may have had some guys who are going to be primary targets and secondary targets on that team. We're now going to take some cuts uh, in terms of production over the course of the season, especially until he kind of gets himself in a groove and finds, you know, who he can reliably go to. Like Brady would throw the ball to anybody that was open. You would, it's not uncommon for at any point during the season to him to throw to a guy who has zero receptions on the air, but he just, it was open. So uh, that made the most sense. You're going to see some of that. I think also with Mac Jones, um, but I think he puts him in a pretty good position. I mean, Cam, I think, looked pretty sharp. He had no preseason coming into last season. Uh, so he had to learn the system through, like, drills and practices and then try to learn it in real time. And then he got COVID and missed time and just wasn't the same afterwards. Thought he looked pretty good coming into the season, so I had some high hopes. But now I think I'm a little bit more excited, not because they cut Cam uh, I was actually kind of interested to see how that would pan out. Um, but 
Otherwise, I think another interesting team to watch uh, was going to be the Saints yeah. coming into the season, right? James Winston. All that Taysom Hill smoking mirrors. Psych. Yeah, he came in. Um, you know, there's a lot of conversation about what was going to go on there, what's Jameson's role. And then he came out and had a, a monster a pretty game. Fantastic uh, preseason. Um, now, as we still call it preseason for a reason. You're not always getting first team reps. You're not always going up against first team players. A lot of guys are trying to earn roster spots. So there's still a lot of what ifs, but um, I thought they looked surprisingly good. So that was going to be one of my teams to watch. But I, I, th- I think beyond that, it was, for me, it was uh, Patriots. I think Patriots. And then seeing how the Bengals are going to shake out as Burrow came back, which, you know. A lot, uh, uh, t- speaking of teams that I'm not overly sold on, uh, the Jaguars, their offensive line looks sketchy. And I think uh, watching how much Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence had to run around to try and extend plays and keep things going, uh, I worry a little bit in terms of what it might mean for him uh, health-wise. And we don't end up in the same situation as like a Burrow does, right? Where that would be crazy. You're not, you're not getting uh, you're not getting the protection that you need. You're trying to extend plays. You're a first year quarterback on a on a team whose uh, entire franchise has been placed on your back. So you're going to try maybe a little more than I think you normally would. Put yourself Possibly. in some positions that might not be the most favorable, but. He's playing with house I'm, money. He's the number one overall draft pick. He, he can get away with doing all kinds of stuff. I, I mean, injury-wise is what I'm more concerned about. Like, if your guys aren't there to protect you and you're putting yourself in a position to try and extend the play because you can't stand in the pocket, you know, you kind of open yourself up. And we've seen that time and time again. So True in that. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you I throw you a real big wrench here, Tim. You're thinking that I'm going to say the Seattle Seahawks are my top team of this preseason. But I already started the segment by talking about how they were worried about going 0-3. And they finally decided to show up and beat the hapless Chargers into submission 27-0. to But no, Tim. My top team of the preseason is America's team. The Dallas freaking Cowboys. Tim, what? do you know how hard it is <laughs> to go 0-4 in the preseason when you have hard knocks? That's supposed to get people to like bring their best side out. This is a team that's rebuilding, a team that has championship hopes. They can't even win a damn preseason game. Top team of the preseason is the Dallas freaking Cowboys. I've heard nothing about Dak's shoulder, about Dak's ankle, about the hype, about how Ezekiel Elliott looks skinny now, about how Amari Cooper's wearing $30 pairs of jeans. I have done nothing except for watch hard knocks and say, next week this team will be better. And then they're not. Stats don't matter, Tim. And the preseason don't matter. That's my top team. Dallas Cowboys. Wow. I, I feel like you're just I feel like this is one of those just hot take moments for the sake of being <laughs> hot because uh well let me I tell you really, what's I see hot. like zero upswing on that team right now yeah. because Mr. Glass is their quarterback. <laughs> yeah, well Mr. uh Mr. Salt is their team owner, right? He was yeah. putting like fifty three fifty eleven shakes of uh salt on his egg sandwich yeah. in the morning. Mike McCarthy seems to like everyone just cusses and I'm a cusser, all right. I I love that stuff. It just seems to be too much gratuitous cussing and not enough action. I'm not about that. Yeah. But I just love the fact that team was like, we're going to play actually four preseason games this year, and they didn't win a single one. <laughs> that's yeah. just, that's not yeah, good. Um, <laughs> that's not good me, at all. For me, the like major alarm 
for all of this uh, is the fact that one of the potential landing spots that has been discussed for Cam Newton so, is yeah, the Cowboys. Let's, let's get into that there. Uh, Cameron Jarrell Newton, number one in my heart of hearts, besides Russell Wilson, uh, <laughs> was released this morning from your beloved New England Patriots. A lot of hot mm-hmm. takes. I'm not biting into any of them. Whether or not his COVID vaccination led into any of it, I think a reasonable person would say, you saw what you can get with Cam Newton last year. You saw flashes of brilliance. You saw also periods that were hampered by injury. I was ringing the bell for Cameron Jarrell all last season. I did it. Mm-hmm. Right? I said, if he, if he can even get back to part of his MVP form, that's, that's a good move for the Patriots. Patriots go and they get a guy who's come from a system where Alabama quarterbacks have typically been lampooned for not being good, A.J. McCarron. And here we are. You now have three quarterbacks that are in the same room that are all starting quarterbacks in the NFL now. And the New England Patriots are starting a rookie for the first time since what? Leto? Like, mm-hmm. Cameron Jarrell, we hardly knew you. You made some decisions. I hope that whatever it is that you do, because I don't think he's out of the league. If you no, get a chance to no. be a backup, go be a backup. Someone's going to get injured. You're going to be a starter. And again, it wouldn't be a bad idea to go to the Cowboys necessarily. Wouldn't be a bad idea for him to go to the, the the Denver Broncos. I mean, that was a conversation for a while as well. Like, there are a couple teams that will probably need a quarterback. So, like, I don't think he'll be out of work for long. I think that Cam's skill set was so electric when it came out. And I believe that it spawned so many offshoots of that. And people tweak their game to the point where Cam brings you a certain skill set. And he's better than the majority of the bottom 15 quarterbacks in the league. But I don't think that was enough. And for a guy like Bill Belichick to a guy that just like wants to reduce risk and mitigate it wherever possible for him to say, I'm going into the season with Mac Jones and Brian Hoyer. I was like, okay, if he can't catch on with Belichick, I don't know where he's going to go. I wish him the best of luck, but Cameron Jarrell, thanks for your service. Yeah. I don't know where he's going to end up. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being, uh, a backup somewhere. I don't know if he's willing to take on that spot. Uh, I do think, unfortunately, there was like some COVID weigh in on what was kind of going on, only because, you know, you're held to different standards if you choose to not uh, get vaccinated in terms of how long you have to be out and, and, and what that is, what that entails. So if you're trying to rally behind your quarterback, and you have to run the risk of them being out for an extended time. Um, we saw what happened last time we went out when he did have COVID. He did. He wasn't the same player when he came back. We talked about that for weeks afterwards, how whatever transpired or whatever happened when, you know, he was diagnosed and was out with COVID, he was not the same guy as he was when he came back, whether that's, uh, you know, a, a health byproduct of, you know, something that happened because of COVID, whether it's the time off, you, you never know. But, you know, it's it's cliche, and you've heard everyone on every sports station say it. But, you know, for Bill Belichick and the Patriots, the best ability is availability. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's accurate, right? He, he, I think he would rather take a, you know, decent, maybe upper-tier mediocre player who's available every single day than a top-tier player who runs the risk of missing significant time Anytime he touches the ball, right? Like if, if if Carson Wentz was available tomorrow for free, I don't think Bill Belichick would pick him up only because we're seeing constantly how often, you know, he tends to, to be out. I mean, he's 
just came back from injury, went to the Colts, and now he's out on the uh, the uh, the COVID restricted list. So I think in this case, it was statistically him and Mac Jones were relatively close, uh, which is tough when you're going up against a rookie quarterback. You should eclipse and and beat a lot of their uh, a lot of their numbers. Um, I think the interception he tossed and his like very short outing on the uh, final outing this last weekend uh, against the team that really wasn't putting out most of their starters. I think that a lot of little things that sort of acted as, you know, individual nails, um, the COVID stuff was just a part of it. Yeah. We'll never know the full story nope. of what that sure was. We just got, it was a misunderstanding. I'm sure that uh, th- I'm sure there's, you know, more to that story than we'll ever know. And I'm, well, I'm okay with it. Um, I, I think I think there will be some more to that story, but I don't think we'll never know it because uh, you know there's there, there's some of the worldwide leader who's got a a, a a book about the Patriots dynasty that's coming out in October, and I I already pre ordered it, so you know I'm really looking forward <laughs> to mean, hearing all it, the stories about Belichick and Brady behind the scenes because I'm sure they're fucking wild. Yeah, yeah. I mean they'll they'll come out and they'll, uh, but I don't think we'll ever necessarily know full on like what happened in this particular setting. Um, It may have been, you know, some maybe not necessarily uh, a misunderstanding. It may have been like a little hint of defiance or something in there, but to save face, you know, it is what it is. So there had to have been something to to have him go from week two or week three with, you know, Cam's our starter. We, or we think we all know. I mean, we all know who our starter is going to be to the, press conference after season three we've got a lot of decisions to make and a lot of things to go on i mean i think it's uh something transpired in between those yeah. that i don't know if you could necessarily attribute just to to playing time i will say also and i i, I don't necessarily i can't blame the starter for you know feeling different feelings about the guy that got recruited to come in and, and play behind you but they never really looked like they meshed on the sidelines, right? Like everybody has seen at this point that like the clip of him Cam running down, Newton, like walking behind him, doing that thing to make sure he gives him a high five. And well, I mean, Matt come Jones, on, think like, about it. Seeing him and giving him a high five. But, Everyone on that like, team gets a nickname, and you get called Mac and Cheese. You don't get called no. like Mac and Cheese Algaraton. You don't get called Gourmet Mac and Cheese. You get called Mac and Cheese. Like what are we Annie's? What are we? You know, Kraft. What is it? I think what does everyone been calling him now? Mac Ten or something like that? I don't even know. But um, something, yeah, something. Obviously, something just didn't uh, align. Bill, Bill Belichick and and you saw Asante Samuel's tweet saying, you know, cold blooded is an understatement because um, him and I think Louis Riddick were kind of chatting back and forth about it. How say what you want, Bill Belichick's. You know, it it, it may be cold blooded, but he's gonna do whatever's best for the team. Uh, and Asante Samuel kind of clapped back, quote unquote. And the kids still say that now, but anyway, he he responded to him saying that it was an understatement. Um, yeah. So 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 he did he did clap back or he responded. He he hollered at him and he said, "That's cap. That's 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 what he would have said." Well, I I, I have I've I had cringe I cringe at everything that just I, I had to look up I had to look at the term on Urban Dictionary. It's not uh yeah it's not in my lexicon <clears throat> yet. Yeah, but, but yeah, uh I, I don't know where Kim's gonna land. Uh I, I could see him being a backup somewhere. You know, the the tricky part about uh getting into like the Cowboys, for instance, 
Uh, I don't know if he wants to go somewhere as a true backup. Now, you could make the argument that Dak's constantly injured all the time, but they did just roll out the Brinks truck for him, so he's not going to be replaced at any point. Um, yeah, but their backup quarterback the, is not good. It's Ben DiNucci. Who's, yeah. who's going to make the team? I don't even know who their second quarterback is. I mean, that, that's that's how interested I've been in this season of Hard Knocks. I've watched all the episodes, and I couldn't tell you who's on the team. That's why my, that's why they're my team of the preseason, Tim, because you can't get all of those lights and all the attention and not mm-hmm. do a damn thing with it. The, like the the coin flip always has to go your way. You have to win at least one game, and they've won none. Yeah. It's just super hard. Yeah. Do you, do you have a spot where you think he should land? I think that Dallas would be interesting. Um, I also think that, like, if we're being frank, there's too many teams that are operating on a razor thin line of quarterback right now, anyways, such as the Broncos, mm-hmm. such as, I mean, the Panthers. <laughs> Right, yeah. like, uh, like want to pick a New York team? Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think that he he fits into every team in the league anymore like he used to. I think that he's he's fast becoming a uh, a really antique weapon that uh, certain yep. coaches know that they can maximize, and um, he he may find himself kind of out of a job on the field. Um, but I hear that uh, Bishop Sycamore is hiring, so. I would say like places where I would technically I, I would consider based off of um, maybe last year would be uh, I mean the Houston Texans have a big what if right now oh yeah they do yep you know it's it, I, I I hadn't talked about this up until my draft last night which uh, went about as well as the the mock draft that we did because <laughs> um, my son started preschool I mean I'm sorry kindergarten this week and I will tell you as a dad. Um, it was, it was a little bit of struggle on day one because I was home by myself to do drop off and pick up with him. And, yeah. uh, <clears throat> yeah. um, so I, 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 saw, had, I had my own moment, uh, after he left, I saw the photo. <laughs> he wants to swim with sharks. You're fucked, man. Like <laughs> oh, dude, he is, he's a, he says that, but, uh, I don't know if he, he even wants to swim when we go up to Maine now because he knows there's sharks in the water. But, mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not above saying I had my own little uh, 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 ugly cry moment uh, when he so he got on the bus and I kept it together and he drove off and then I turn around and like my wife's not there, nobody's there to like oh my god look at look at this kid. Um, I go inside, I'm just sitting there, I'm like holy shit, I've had almost almost a year and a half of being around him twenty four seven that entire time because you know COVID I've been fortunate enough to work at home that whole time and then suddenly he's just gone he's out the door and he's literally for like five days a week from eight in the morning until 3 30 whenever he gets home for the next 13 years just gone gone and everybody if you don't have kids it's it's tough to kind of associate that but when you have a young young child like newborn and you take them to daycare, uh, you really learn of all of their developments from emails you get from your daycare provider. <laughs> or like you really see them on the weekends and you get to spend some time with them just because they're gone for you know so many hours throughout the day. And to have that back a little bit and get to see it because you know I work overnights now and I before that I was home with a pretty flexible schedule. I could do whatever I wanted. We hung out a lot. And that's like gone. You know that meme of uh, uh, the guy kind of like standing around in different parts of his yard waiting? 
you are you referring to the um El Chapo, uh, yeah, the, the Pablo Escobar meme where the he's Pablo like Escobar he's meme, standing yeah. on the edge of the pool and he's looking at the swing set and he's like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That was legitimately for the 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 first day and some of today. Me, we're like he was gone and I was like, all right, his bus. He has a half day. He'll be home at at one. I just roamed around my house like waiting to see what I was supposed <laughs> to be doing. It was it was the weirdest feeling. Um, anyway, I got totally sidetracked there. But uh, last night during my uh, my my draft, I. Uh, I put him to bed last night to spend a little extra time with the finals, and I fell asleep in his bed. I woke up, and we were already like 20 minutes into the draft, and we have an auction league. Oh, oh those are the worst. Uh, not only is it the worst, but um, I've, I've come accustomed to them. I didn't realize on Yahoo that if you let your team auto-draft in an auction draft, it'll propose someone and then keep bidding on them, apparently. No. Yeah, so by the time I came back and realized, I was like, oh, my God. I literally sprinted downstairs, sat in my chair, fired everything up. Uh, I had five players on my team, and I had $16 left. <laughs> <laughs> I literally had to wait and watch and just see how things shook out before oh. I could Oh, man, not my team, but we we one of the conversations that came up is where has the Deshaun Watson conversation been for like the last five weeks? I've heard zero about where that is, where that's going, where his place on the team is. Uh, none of that has been brought up. So, like, we we're all kind of wondering how you draft for that right now because does it, he sit out? And nah. so that might be a good spot for Cam to land. Yeah, he he could. I think what's going to happen there is he'll probably get either trade to a team like the Dolphins or um, there'll be an interim suspension or something like kind of what's going on with the Trevor Bauer situation in the MLB right now. So I've, I'm moving all of those players off my draft board, if at all possible. Uh, yeah. Perhaps I'm going to see what happens later on. But uh, yeah, but- Tim, we got to talk some golf. Yes. Did yes, you did you I didn't watch this thing last mm-hmm. weekend, but I have watched everything since the match ended because there has been nothing but a cornucopia of fresh articles, hot memes, and a whole bunch of hot takes. And I need to know Yeah. Why is Brooks I mean sorry, why is Bryson being <laughs> so in his feels lately? Why is this the time where now finally he's like, I've had enough. I, I can't deal with this anymore? Cussing at players in the field, saying, "Patrick, can you hurry up and walk?" Like, yeah, dude. Or can you can you not walk? Like, it's just, dude. Weren't you the one cl- clacking your little Judy Garland heels to inter- you know to ruin Brooks, uh, you know, segment? And now someone does it to you, and you can't take this. I don't, that's a super super stupid hot take. But I'm just like, you went and you played six six playoff holes. That's incredible. And then you sucked it up and you put it in the water a few times. You evaporated the lead. That's how you even gotten that thing in the first place. Don't tell someone to walk faster on the field. That's that's so stupid. Yeah, I don't know. 100%. I don't know enough about golf, but I just know in the days I since that match ended, what it was the BMW Invitational. Yeah. Ever since I've just been like, Patrick Cantlay is fantastic, and now I'm beginning to see what everyone else is saying maybe about Bryson kind of being. Uh, a little bit too. A, I, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. You can be pretentious if you're really great at being a golfer. You got to back it up on the on the green. And I, I think he's done that for the most part. But 
there are just some things you're just like, this is the hill? This yeah. is the hill you're trying to die on? Three weeks ago, you were blaming your caddy for getting a you know a wrong club or whatever, and you're, and you're taking shots at your research and development team? Like, you are doing something that has not been done. You're doing these Franken clubs. You're doing all this other stuff. Realize you're going to take some L's, but the, the highs are so much higher. So you've got to tone it back a little bit, boss. Yeah. And he's not he doing is- that. No, I'm going full douchebag mode. He is just legitimately the the worst golfer, in my opinion, attitudes wise, at least in the public eye, the one that gets the most attention. Uh, and it's just unbearable, right? Like I can kind of agree with a sentiment he has where, you know, just constantly yelling Brooksy at him. It's the 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 one thing I will say about golf fans is that they're just idiots, right? They're just morons and anybody who has watched any open or any major event can tell that within the first hole right yeah because it's been years and years and years and years since ea sports put out like the first tiger woods game and ever since then people yell get in the hole if it's a par five and you're teeing off get in the hole yep or just for whatever reason, they decide they just want to yell something to make their voice heard on TV. Like it makes a difference to anybody in the world. It's it's like the people who record fireworks. Like nobody wants to see the video of your fireworks posted online. Nobody's going to give well, a shit. If it's if a drone it. video, shout out to Damon Ariel. Maybe. Well, that's true. It's a different perspective. Um, but nobody gives a shit. No one's going to watch your stupid video that you had someone record from your DVR at home showing you yell, bad, bad, booey, when someone tries to tee off. <laughs> and you make sure you sneak it in there moments after he makes contact and in some cases before he makes contact. Uh, so the yelling, Brooksy, all the time, it's now become unoriginal. And it's just not like... But you, you can be kicked off the course now if you say it. Yeah, fuck it. Kick him off, man. Like, what's... It, it it may have been funny when it was sort of in the midst of their, their but nobody's even talked about the back and forth between those two in two months and you're just still doing it and you still sound like an idiot, right? Like imagine See, being like, so picture yourself at any one of these events, like the BMW uh, championship or whatever it was the BMW class they just had. You're standing on the sidelines, right? It's not a major, it's not a, it's not a, a huge event. It's, it's, it, it draws a decent crowd, but you're standing there. And there's probably like two or three people to your left, two or three people to your right. And it's kind of like a row. You're not like sitting in the bleachers at Fenway yelling this. And you're just, Brooksy! Brooksy! <laughs> as Deshemo walks by. Like, first of all, you look like an idiot. You look like a complete tool because what happens when he walks by? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah, guys, right? I, I told him. I told him. I told he's, him. <laughs> he's, he's heard it every hole and every tee box and everywhere he goes. The same way players probably hate, hate yelling, get in the hole. Especially the guys who shank it right off the tee, you know it's not a good shot and you're still yelling, get in the hole. It's just, it's one of the aspects of golf fandom that I, I just cannot stand. So I agree with it. Like, get him out of there. It's it, It's come to the point where it's just, nauseating and, and unoriginal but you have all these bros that show up uh who continue to do it in terms of bryson himself just a total douche he's the, he's the guy that uh I just feel 100 100 like, percent he has told someone do you know who i am yeah but so you, you gotta <laughs> you gotta give and take right if you're gonna do that 100 percent, do you know who i am 
If you're going to drive the green, if you're going to say, I'm not going to shoot down the fairway, I'm going to go over the water hazard, then you got to take what comes with that, which is sometimes some ignorant ass people who paid their mm-hmm. $39.95 to, to heckle you and they're buying yeah. their $14 Miller Lights and their you know $8.95 pimento cheese sandwiches. You, you just got to kind of deal with those things. Now, for him to be like, for him to be like finally snapping on people, it's like, this ain't the time. Cause you know, Brooks ain't doing it. I mean, Brooks is, is doing a celebrity golf match versus Dave Portnoy. I don't even want to see that shit. Yeah. But, to be fair, Brooks, uh, Brooks plays in far less events than, uh, than what Bryson does. So he's not necessarily exposing it to himself. And the, and the big difference is Bryson, I think in general. So I also think, uh, sorry, Brooks. I, I also think Brooks. <laughs> now is, you're getting confused. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think, uh, I mean, I'm not the, Biggest fan of Brooks Kepke either. He's got this arrogant sort of douchey side, frat brother side to him that like not in a good way. Easy, right? like he, easy. He feels a little bit. He comes across sometimes as a little like arrogant and broish, but I I do genuinely like him more than I do um, uh, Bryson. And it's not it's not necessarily the fan interactions. It's, yeah, he's just he he's the guy he seems like a guy who grew up without a lot of friends who's now had some success he's letting that go to his head um i know his approach to the game is different the way he holds his clubs the 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 way he has his clubs designed and built and like all of those things and the concept of all of that is is really really interesting it just sucks that it was paired with somebody who has such a shitty personality because you're it's not your caddy's fault you missed those putts Right. You're the one that's making the read. They'll give their input, but you're the one that's making those decisions. Um, and you missed, you know, it several happens. relatively easy putts. Well, I say relative. I two put everything, but you you missed a oh, couple nice. shots. That, hey, wait, that way to we, brag. I, I like three or four putt everything, but okay. Yeah, but you just started golfing. We're also not professional golfers. That's but true. He he had a putt that was almost identical to one of the ones he had to win, and he still and he still pushed it. So. Uh, like when he, the first shot he put in the water, instead of being like, oh, he's like, what? I don't even understand. <laughs> there was so I, much. It was the perfect swing. Oh I hit it the way God. I wanted to. There was just, <laughs> and you crowd, know, he was. The crowd went wild. They were so happy he put it in the drink. That was a clip yeah, I saw, okay. and I was like, okay, I need to start. I need I need to know everything about this invitational right now. Yeah. Because oh my God. Most people he, are always like, oh, oh. And then the ball went in. They're like, yes. And you're like, uh, okay, what's going on here? This is upside down. Like, come on now. Yeah, which is the tough part, right? Because um, it's not supposed to be right? tough if you drive the green every time. No, but what I'm saying is he he's a guy who's like pushing the limits of the game. And like when Tiger was doing that, you were rooting for him and you knew like you were seeing the changing of things, right? Like uh, go back and look at the any of the PGA Tour vault clips of Tiger Woods. He was doing things that like nobody was doing. And Bryson is in that same boat now because he's using technology and he's using, I mean, he almost shot, a, you know, the record 59. He missed it by, uh, you know, that one putt that he just kind of misread, which then he also <laughs> misread in, during the, 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 the playoffs. But um, the difference is it's just his personality is shitty. Like, everything think, about him is just doesn't seem like a fun guy to play with he tries to be it i just think he's generally socially awkward like I there's just, something going on there i just think that he's probably at the point where he's been steeled up to all of the criticism that people have been giving him for many years so he's probably just like nah, you know what i don't need to be nice to everyone anymore i need to sort of be 
embrace the asshole a little bit. And that, that's fine. That's cool. Golf needs a villain. So good yeah, for him. And, and I guess I, I could see it if he was all the way in on it, but then he does these things where he tries <laughs> to like not be, you know, and it, it, and, and it's, it, it's tough because like, I keep trying to find ways to be like, all right, he'll, he'll figure it out. But I just, I just don't think he has the, the social ability to manage the spotlight that he has put himself in. And I think he just kind of continues to struggle with that. So, well, I mean, good, good for, good for Mr. Patrick Cantlay. Uh, a six hole playoff is absolutely astounding uh, to be able yep. to do it. Uh, and I, and I hope that, you know, cause you, you've said it on this podcast many times, Tim, you, you want different names to be out there winning things. So I hope that, uh, that, that continues in the future. Let's go ahead and take a quick pivot here. We gotta talk Paul Woodley. And what the yeah, fuck yeah. is what the fuck is Set this world? Up. Jake Paul is now 4-0. And I get yeah. that he has gone through a kangaroo court of opponents to get there. Mm-hmm. But can a real boxer please stand up? Please. Yeah. This is <laughs> like, my Paul Paul makes so many valid points, and I hate that I even am saying them in my head or even saying them out loud because after the fight when he was like Look what we're doing. We're changing the promotion game. We're getting all these this revenue. I'm a YouTuber, all this stuff. I'm beating people. Those are all facts. They, they're all facts. Yeah. Hashtag no cap. They're, they're all facts. He's beating people that have no business being in the ring with him, and he's putting 50% effort in at least, and they're not, and he's winning these fights. Boxing has a problem, and the problem is named Jake Paul. No, nah, this is this is. I this need is, a real boxer to stand up and just go ahead and. and, this, just, and I was gonna say this out. is this is where I got to stop you. I think you're reading you're you're reading too many comment sections and agreeing with them. What we are seeing is a PGA professional golfer who is lining up one on one opponents who are like mini golf professionals yeah. or like long drive championship. He's, no, he, he's not even know, he's but, not even a PGA professional. Are, he's like a he's like an amateur. He's like a pro am. No, no, I'm I'm using the analogy in that he has been able to like pick and choose people who have like some merits of athleticism and roping them into this thing and framing it around boxing, right? Like I keep seeing the arguments that boxing is a joke and boxing is this and boxing is that. First of all, you're wrong. I mean, if a guy could come from YouTube and just decide to just beat up on some people and make more revenue mm-hmm. and get better promotions and create a better spectacle than top rank fights that are coming out. You're a top rank fan, Tim. You're always going to watch yeah. that shit. I, I didn't watch any top rank fights this year. I will watch um, Fury Wilder oh. three. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see that shit. And I'm going to do it, yeah. but this well, sold because, more than, than a lot of other boxing games. Yeah, it's, like, it's because it's, there's the, it's the drama associated around it. You're watching celebrity death match in real life. Yeah. You're watching what we used to see in claymation format where you have, Ah, oh, here's the YouTube star fighting this MMA fighter, and then they would do the clay animation fight between them. You're seeing it in, in in real life, but this isn't representative of boxing. And if we're being honest with ourselves, uh, it's it, I don't understand how this isn't a bad look for MMA, right? Because you had Ben Askren who came out and people we made people who are argue- retired, people who are retired, people. Who, oh, people okay, who- okay. You have you have a kid who has nothing but money and time to spend. All hours of every day training and focus on just one thing, which is boxing, right? And he's going out, and you said four, four, no, but let's pick his opponents. He'd be like another YouTube star. First of all, a, you were try- a couple weeks ago. Basketball. You were tra- you were trying to say that Ben Askren was a striker, and that was that no, no, no. I've never that, said that. that. 
Yeah, go yeah. back and re-listen to it. I have never once I said he wasn't a good representative from MMA, and I you are you're incorrect in that assessment. Yeah, I mean he. he uh, I said he was a YouTube star. He fought against uh, one of the shortest basketball players who has now been retired for like ten years. Uh, he fought Ben Askren, who universally was looked at as a uh, a mismatch because he was not a striker. Uh, who went out and showed that he literally? Oh, oh yeah, box. that's 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 what it was. He wasn't a striker. So then we were thinking, yeah, all right, it's coming back to me now. Like, and, then, and then, then we move on to Woodley, who does have striking ability. The and problem I thought, with Woodley, yeah, I thought it was curtains. And now he has to get a tattoo that says "I love Jake yeah. Paul" on his body, bro. Why are you making those bets? Wood, Woodley, Woodley had him in a position to win that fight on more than one occasion. The problem is kill. he's not aggressive, which is the same issue everybody had during his MMA years where he would kind of fail to pursue when he had moments. And that's partly because uh, there were moments where he over pursued and then got knocked out or had losses because he ended up putting himself up for uh, like eating big shots and things like that. So while yes, Woodley was a better striker than Askren was, it's still not him going up against another boxer. So what I don't understand, right, is we have two MMA fighters, one of which is championship level, who had belts, who came in and fought him, and both of them lost. Why are we not saying that how can a, a guy who's been training as a boxer for three years come out and literally beat? I and, mean, and, like Conor McGregor went up against Mayweather and did better in that fight. And now there's some thought that, you know, Mayweather kind of let that one kind of float a little bit and kind of did his thing. Uh, until he got TKO'd, but he actually went out and looked better, right? The problem with MMA in a boxing arena is that when you're an MMA fighter, you can hide your strikes differently. Like, there are ways well, to... Well, you, you use your legs, so, yeah. Well, yeah, no, but there are ways to kind of, uh, like, faint one move and then deliver a strike, or you're going up against someone who may not be as good at uh, picking up on, you know, when your when your punches are coming remove the entire aspect and say all you have to is your arms and your head movement and your feints to get in there it's different because naturally you want to try and like move a hip enough so they think a kick is coming and now you're delivering like your right hand and things like that now you're going up against the guy who has never had to even bother to learn any of that he's been able to focus all of his attention on shoulder movements eye movements uh, like hand adjustments the way your hips are opening and closing to see if you can kind of see where it is. And I think a lot of MMA fighters, um, you know, for one reason or another tend to telegraph when their swings are coming because you're so used to being able to, to, to switch it up. Like if I'm standing in front of you and I'm waiting and you're, we're in like a street fight and like, I see your hips open up, like, I don't know if you're going to punch me or kick me. So I have to then begin to worry about, am I checking the kick or am I blocking a strike? If you're boxing and, and if you're in MMA and you know that you have that and you don't have to necessarily worry about telegraphing it because it, you know, depending on your motion, it could be either one of those. You can go up, you can go mid body, you can go, you can go like just an outside leg kick, just a little tap. You can do a lot of different things with that. If I'm a boxer, and all I'm focusing on is looking for that movement and how to counter that. But you're an MMA fighter who has trained for years with all of those tool sets, and they've suddenly been stripped for six months. Like that portion of your combat skills have been removed. And you have, because a lot of these fights are at most like six months to a year out, 
you have to take everything that you've learned, where you develop your power, your movement, your striking, all of that, and a big aspect of that gets removed completely, and now you have to adapt to something that's literally just arms. So I think they tend to telegraph their punches a little bit more. I think um, they're they're just uncomfortable the whole time. So in my opinion, I think if we're comparing boxing versus uh, MMA, like what happens if we took an, uh, a top tier MMA fighter and put him against a top tier boxer Francis in a boxing match? Ngannou, Jake Paul, let's make it happen. Well, yeah, you got to make sure that there's a similar weight class, though. No, like, no, Paul has been higher than most of the people he's been fighting against. I, 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 I agree. See punch up. I, I think we should just find a boxer who's willing to go through. But yeah, again, that's this what I'm has saying, to, Tim. Will the real boxer go, please stand up? Not, yeah, I don't want an MMA striker. I want a boxer and a boxer, and you'll see what it's like. This goes to show you, though, that if you put like a top-tier striker, a top-tier MMA fighter who's currently fighting, and you put him in with a legit boxer, imagine what that looks like, right? Yeah. Conor McGregor, top striker of one of the top strikers of all time, went in for you know a, a fight with an old, retired Floyd Mayweather, and still, I mean, he got TKO'd. Right. Yeah. And some people say that probably could have happened sooner rather than later. So I think this is and I don't understand why it's not being talked about enough. I think it's a, a worse look for MMA than it is for boxing because this isn't reflective of boxing. This is just it is uh, reflective it's, of boxing. It's, it's drama. You're letting okay. someone who's who's not faced a single boxer amass a four no record. And that's that's the prestige behind who all is these you boxers. And they? Who is you and they? It's who is his, you and his, they? It's, it's it's him, his own promotion team, and it's people who are willing to who are selling more gate tickets and receipts than people who are putting stuff on because on everybody wants without to, TV deals. Because everyone wants to see him get knocked the fuck out, and it's not it happening, is. Tim. All right, the first time I know, it was because he's not going up against fighters. The third time, it's uh, is this a trend? The fourth time, yeah, but shit, get still a real answered. boxer in you there. Have, yeah, but you what well, you still haven't answered is how this is a. A, how this reflects on boxing because it's not like boxers haven't come up and said, I'll fight him. He's not a boxer. Him. He's a YouTuber who has just decided he's beating he's professional go- MMA fighters. He's like good. what? And, you're and making, retired you're, you're NBA arguing, players and everyone you're arguing else. arguing into your own point, though. It's just so bad. No, it's but, so bad. But you're, someone, ar- you're arguing into outside, your own point. No one from the outside can be like, I'm an MMA fighter, and they can't make it in like local cage fighting. They got to go to like Strikes Force or Bellator or some sort of UFC upstart. People who are not boxing can do the bare knuckle boxing they can do youtube shit but like they're not really there so like sure paul is having four televised fights in which he's made so much money and like we just keep throwing these pawns out of i just need a real it's, boxer it's, it's a it's just a give, no it's a reflection on where we are as a society where we want to see one we either see one we want to see someone get like brutally hurt which is everyone you're the, the one people, you're the one all, pounding the table for it tim everybody is literally you, you have yeah, two yeah, camps yeah, yeah. I mean, you too, have yeah. you have <laughs> you have the you have the youtube like tiktok this whole viral movement which i don't understand you have that whole user base and then you have people who want to see him lose and they're all buying these tickets but it's not that boxers haven't stepped up and said yeah just put me in there there's guys who are like five weight classes below him are like yeah, put me in there. He's choosing not to take these fights. And what you're seeing is people who see the paycheck that's there. And you're you're seeing bigger and bigger names chime in and say, oh, let me fight him because they're more concerned about the paycheck than they are anything else. So none of this reflects on on 
boxing because if you went up against an actual boxer, he would lose and he would lose badly. That's why the I'm same saying way his brother did. Actual like Logan, like his brother lost uh, a, a fight, right? Like it's he. They were celebrating that he made it the full fight without getting knocked without getting knocked out, which you know they think he was held up to get to that point. It's but the like same thing that they're saying about this Paul fight: the fact that he's made it, the fact that he's he's fought some people, the fact that. You know, he was gassed, but he's, he's still got his legs underneath him and he could still land some punches like that. That does damage to the sport of boxing in my uh, but, but I don't. But that's what I'm not understanding. How how have we arrived to that point where you put him in a ring with nothing but people who aren't boxing? And now very, we're suddenly like, look how bad boxing very, is. Very, very simple, Tim. I'm going to go to uh, a housing a housing project somewhere in America. And I'm going to say, oh, you're a tennis player. All right. Come box me. Oh, you're the you're the front office guy. Come box me. Oh, you bag okay. groceries at Wegmans? Come box me. And I'm going to go 3-0 in those fights. And I'm going to say, yo, I'm a boxer. You can't tell me any different. Because I'm making more gate revenue. I'm, ca- I'm creating more of a spectacle. And I'm bringing a better promotion than the tried and true way. This is a crazy thing. I've always thought about boxing. Boxing is antiquated because it, it has a lot of history. It has a lot of tradition. But boxing has not gone through an uber-like transition. It's not found a way to get to the next level. MMA did. MMA is kind of lagging at the top now because they're trying to find a way. How do we get to that next step? Boxing is like, oh, we don't need to go to that next step. Yes, you do. Because when two brothers who hop on YouTube make videos about, you know, recording their farts and buying cars and all this stuff, when they can just decide to wander into your little lake and decide to start pretend box, that does damage to your sport. In MMA, when you talk shit, you get hit and you don't come out the same way that you went in. I'm just saying right now, the Paul brothers, not well, not combined, but Jake Paul being 4-0, even though it's been non-exhibition, non-title, non-this, non-that, maybe they're drug tested, maybe they aren't. And not this against boxers, and not against a single boxer. That Which doesn't make any sense. Which is my point that I started this segment with, Tim. Will a real boxer please stand up? Yeah, yes. Then which which, And I'll, I'll close it on this, because somehow we're not seeing on the same page here you're comparing you're comparing apples to oranges and saying apples are, are a bad look here when you're forgetting the fact that two two mma fighters who came in talk shit two and retired lost. mma fighters not current mma fighters not current boxers you're the one that keeps telling me he's 4-0 so you can't tell me he's 4-0 and then negate his competition yeah i just i just two think it's bullshit MMA fighters, a a a fucking Midget basketball player and another YouTube star. Tim, like welcome, those, welcome to your stress level being above 150. I, I hope it feels just, good it, for you. <laughs> it just doesn't make it. Just I live doesn't here. Make any this sense. is my land. Yeah, it just doesn't. It just I was doesn't born make, into this stress level, Tim. You just <laughs> trained in it, okay? Yeah, it just it, it doesn't make any sense. I, I put him against a real boxer, and the conversation is over, which is why he doesn't do it because he knows people are going to keep buying it because. You are a man who loves to watch 40 people try and date one woman because you love the drama of it. That's true. He's selling, he's true. selling gates. Back. He's selling pay-per-view because people love the drama of it. They want to see this kid get beat up and they want to see him go up against like increasing talent and get beat up or find a way to win. It's the drama, not the sport of it. That's driving these pay-per-view. And at Too this bad. point it's become a monster on its own where more people want to see him lose than want to see him win, so that's why people are buying these to make to see that happen. And it will never happen because he's not going to put himself in a position where he's going to lose. He's picking his opponents. It's as if it, it's as if like 
Serena Williams was going out and picking. That's that's the best example. Take the top tier tennis player, Serena Williams, Andy Murray, and then go out and instead of playing against top tier or even like decent tennis players, they're going and finding people from baseball that who oh you swing a bat. This is you swing a tennis racket. It's kind of related. Come out and do that. Oh, you're a lacrosse player. Yeah, you're used to like swinging your arms. This is somewhat related, and you come out and yeah, losing, no and then put- somehow tying in saying this is a bad look for tennis. No like, one will put Carlos Stanton and uh, Chris Hogan on the football field and say say they're going to be the same, right? But that's the problem. That's what's happening right now. That's, what, even, that's what you're doing right now. We're giving two so sports. much legitimacy to a guy who's not a boxer by trade, and he's slowly getting his pedigree up, and he's going 4-0. It's just, it's, pedigree it's is not – no, no. Pedigree is, is like – I'll be fair to say he looks like a bad boxer is not. A, I mean, he does look like he would be a decent amateur boxer, but you can't True. say you, you, you can't say that that would not be the same scenario. That's exactly what it would be. Let's take someone who is like a, a, uh, a YouTube star who spent three years just learning nothing but tennis. And instead of putting up against other tennis players to gauge his ability, he started picking people who have never played tennis and say, hey, you have six months to learn how to play tennis, and then we're going to go back and forth. And if he wins, because literally he has millions of dollars from his fucking millions of YouTube followers that yeah. follow him to all these pay-per-view events. That's the problem. I'm, I'm putting and my fingers straight at y'all who who've been supporting him and getting all those clicks. Yeah. That's, that's why so we're he, here today. He can pay. I mean, he can spend every hour of every day because the man doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a family. All he has is money and time. And he finds all of these high profile coaches to come in and help train him. If you took anybody gave them millions of dollars and that many resources, no matter what the sport is, they'll get to the point where they're probably competitive quicker than what like Joe Schmo would be. But then if you pair them up with somebody who has like a few months to try and do that, or somebody who maybe has some loose affiliation with that and you go up against them, you wouldn't say like, let's continue using tennis as an analogy. If, if, if he beats four people who have never been professional tennis players, and he's touting himself as a professional tennis player. You're not going to look and be like, "Oh, this is a bad look for tennis." You're you're just going to say like, "This this matchup doesn't make sense." But for some reason, people fucking love to hate on boxing because they think it's this like old world sport that hasn't because grown. It's so it's antiquated. a bad, more antiquated than a glorified bar fight. I don't think so. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, That's, when you when you keep choosing bar fight opponents, and when Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather does a ton of gates, and then Mayweather comes out of the fight and says, Logan showed me something. Yeah, he might actually be a boxer. You can't even take that shit seriously with a straight face. That's because they're setting setting up for another round of paper. You just, you keep making... Oh, you keep making your own argument. Oh, you you literally just said... I'm in in the inception of bad hot takes right now. Tim, let's let's put a cap on this. No cap, let's put a cap on this. Let's let's, let's finish go to social with- media. Let's get some in, let's get some feedback <laughs> from the social media guys, and let's say is Sam literally making my no? Point because for obviously me? they're all Team Paul. We're not going to do that. That's 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 their arena. Our social media friends, if they're all Team Paul, then we need some new friends. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about right, let's talk about super teams. Let's end out this episode of Sassamara Podcast. We'll talk super teams. Uh, last time we talked about it, we talked about how um, Lionel Messi went to Paris Saint Germain. I erred in not also saying that on that team is Neymar, who is mm-hmm. also another great soccer player. Uh, but now there's rumors. Kylian Mbappe wants out of PSG. Uh, Real Madrid, who he was rumored to go to, actually put in a couple bids for him. 
and those were denied. So it looks like we're going to have at least a super, a super team for this year. Uh, Ronaldo left Juventus. Now he's back with Man United, the team in which he first rose to power and ascension. And that's great. That's fantastic. As I said last week on the episode, you need to be watching European football. I don't care if it's AFC Richmond. Shout out Ted Lasso. I don't care if it's Arsenal. I don't care if it's Man U, Man City. I don't care if it's PSG. I don't care if it's Real Madrid, Juventus. I don't care if you watch La Liga, Serie A, La Bundesliga. Just watch some European soccer because it's incredible. And it's, this is the teams. The teams you're going to face here this year are going to be monsters versus monsters. It's going to be unbelievable. There's, mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be nothing but villains on both sides of the field. It's going to be utterly fantastic. But because of that, Tim, we now have an actual team of monsters in the NBA. And yes. that is those damn Los Angeles Lakers. Rondo, yep. Carmelo, Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Am I missing anyone? I feel like I'm missing someone. Uh, Dwight Howard? I think I said him. But look at this. There, there's seven. There's seven players are better than most other teams right now. And they didn't win a championship last year. Health was an issue. Mm-hmm. It's championship or bust this year. But oh, remember. Did you say Russell Westbrook? Because he's there now too. And, and Russell Westbrook is there. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So this is an embarrassment of riches. This is something that would have been denied in uh, 2K many, many times by the computer. They would have said, LOL, try again. You can't, you can't build a team like this in franchise mode because you'll win everything. Uh, this is happening. And remember, CP3 to the Lakers years ago wasn't going to happen. Was going to introduce a competitive you know, imbalance in the league. And here we are just throwing money at players. Here's <laughs> build, their, uh... build the biggest, superest, super team you possibly can. Um, I am looking forward to all of the Lakers fans that have not been Lakers fans for the past few years, that weren't there when they won the bubble championship, that are now suddenly Lakers fans. Uh, they they probably don't know who you know Kobe Bryant is or Shaquille O'Neal or Janie Buss or any of those people who have run that team or been on it, but they're gonna have some hot takes about it. This is the Lakers' year, Tim. It's happening. <laughs> I think I, I saw a thing the other day that uh, in 2012, Russell Westbrook, Rajon Rondo, um, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, LeBron James, and I think Marcus All were all on the all-star team together yeah right different different uh uh different conferences but they were all part of that all-star grouping all of those guys are on the same team now with anthony davis included in there it is uh, insanity like i don't know how like the russell westbrook uh trade wasn't somehow blocked i'm sure they could have found a million Something. different ways to do that, and they chose. Uh, they chose not to do that. Um, it's <clears throat> I. I can't help but root against teams like this, right? Like if you go out and win, how is it? You any form of like this, Tim. Th- these are the Sentinels from the Matrix. It's it's one for every single man, woman, and child in Zion. You're gonna get overrun. Like yeah. I'm thinking, a super hot take that's not even a hot take is they're gonna go seventy two and eight. Or whatever it is. They're going to break the Warriors record. They just have the depth that they can just rotate players in and just just win games. I, I mean, I don't know. They they added uh, they added Westbrook and, and, and Rondo. There's something to be said 
about like the gelling of a team and sure. the chemistry yep. and whatnot. And it's it's almost getting to the point where like unless you have full buy-in from everybody that like, hey, look, this is a team effort, we're all gonna contribute, you're gonna end up with guys who like want to take the lead. Like everyone's been part of those group projects or those teams at work where you feel like maybe you're supposed to be the one that's supposed to help kind of like lead him in the right direction. And someone else chimes in. And you're like, Oh, wait a second. I thought this is my show. Uh, or if you're one of those, that's more like passive. You take the back seat as a role player. You can, you observe that and see like the, the minor power struggle between people who think they have a little bit more seniority than someone else. Um, Westbrook doesn't seem like the type of guy who's going to step in and just uh, kind of adhere to the, the game plan. I feel like he's the one that wants to kind of, you know, take charge and help make decisions. And then he's on the same team with LeBron. And then you have guys like uh, Anthony Davis, who's probably sitting back like, Oh, it's my time. Now you boys are old and retired. This will yeah. be my team. when you guys are long and, 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 and gone. And, and Gasol is probably back there. That's like, Hey man, why, why am I being forgotten about? So I think there's, first of all, a team like this can't last, right? Because egos are too big because egos, uh, you know, throw back to the, the conversation we just had about the ball brothers, but uh, ego translates to money. Right. And if you're out there flashing your ego and you're playing your role and you're talking yourself up or whatever, uh, you know, and having success, you, the, the money comes with that. So if you're on a team like this, you can't really be flashing that ego all that much because you're not a, you're you're definitely a cog in a wheel in, on a, uh, the bus that LeBron James is driving. If we're being honest here, like I mean, he got like, them all to come there, so you know. Yeah, it's like uh, I mean, half of these guys are probably a couple of years away from retirement. So, like, let's just you know get a ring out of the way while we can, as if they're going to get some sort of bonus check on the day they retire if they have a yeah, ring. But this is the last dance for all of these players. LeBron saw that shit last summer and it was like. No, no, you're not doing this to me at the end of my career. I'm going to go and provide the last dance for all these other people. I'm going to get them rings, and I'm going to go ring and go win another ring on the way out. That's what he's doing. He's literally he's genius. His, he's literally buying his time. So this is this is this the is why part. he's the goat, Tim. I no, I I feel like ah, you almost agreed there. I I, 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 I feel hurt. like right now, uh, it's kind of a strange spot where I think he's literally like potentially padding the record books right so nobody's gonna remember 10 years from now like let's say lebron goes out and wins one this year and he wins one next year like nobody's gonna look 20 years from now and be like oh yeah those he did win two and you know at his age winning two championships was uh winning a championship was unheard of he won two no one's gonna be like "Yeah, yeah yeah but his entire team was stacked with all stars. Like we're yeah. not talking about like top that's three. Stats, that's why stats don't matter, Tim. That's why stats don't matter. Well, I know, but like his playing time is. I mean, he's been still playing at a high level, but is he playing at the same level he was like ten years ago? No, he's got a support team around that can help pick up some of that slack that now makes him, you know, continue to look good. Not that, and I don't want to misconstrue what I'm saying here. I think he's still like a top tier player. I think any team would have him. He can perform at a high level, even at his age. But I do, I do feel like it's different. And now you're stacking your teams with other guys who are in that same boat, arguably. Like Rajon Rondo can still play well, but he's not yep. like Celtics Rondo. Westbrook still playing at a high level, still flirting with the prime. 
Dwight Howard passed his prime, but like you, you're you're building up all of these guys. You win like two championships, and all that's going to matter 15 years from now is that you won two championships. Not that you essentially bought them by literally putting out everybody in the team, but we saw what happened last year with the Nets. I'm just that was saying. the team before this, yeah, where they broke the bank and they brought everybody in, and that didn't work out well for them. So the injury bug can pop up at any moment. COVID might not have been the best time to try and put one of these teams together because at any given point, like four of your guys can just be out for a bit, but uh, it's fair. I just, it love it. It I just love it. We, we have super teams yeah. and it's hilarious to me that European teams were like, we're going to make a super team. And then America was like, <laughs> no, I don't know. Like look in the dictionary. We created this term. You try to take it from us. You try to co-opt it. We're taking this shit back. (laughs) Super teams. And that will do it for this episode of Stats to Matter. Tim, your your triple IPA blind taste testing didn't go as well. We need to step the game up. We need to go ahead and get some uh, big, boozy bourbon barrel aged stouts. And let's see if you can Mm -hmm. really kind of get your beer judging going on. That's what I think. Uh, uh, Spoiler alert. One year from, you know, sometime in the next week or two. I will have my very own bourbon barrel aged stout from Barreled Souls that I have pieced together mm. from Super uh, they're Jealous. Making, they're making the base beer. So if anybody doesn't know, this is the last thing we'll say on this. If anybody doesn't know, at the beginning of COVID, Barreled Souls, which Sam and I have talked several times about on this podcast, make some fantastic beers and their barrel aged totally stouts. Totally amazing beers. Yep. Yeah. Their barrel aged stouts are like world class. Um, at the beginning of COVID, they had an idea to help keep the doors open uh, by offering up what's called a barrel program where you can literally go in and buy one of their barrels. You pick between a, a stout or a barley wine. You pick the type of barrel that it's aged in, in terms of distillery. And then if you want to flavor that bitch up, you choose whatever the adjuncts are. Um, and I was fortunate to be part of one of those groups that um, that that did it. And we had a conference call today. We talked to the brewers, all very knowledgeable, all great folks. Uh, so I hate you. We we decided. Uh, Not fucking much right now. <laughs> it's either going to be I, I I missed some of the earlier conversations. So for whatever reason, the front runner barrel was Four Roses. I'm not really sold on that. Uh, our backup is Weller. I, I think everyone's kind of leaning back towards Weller because it's a uh, it's a. There's there's not as much rye in it as you would some others. It's a more you know wheat forward, so it'll translate into a sweeter, uh, like secondary flavor or or aged flavor. So uh, I think what we decided is well, now we're still in the process of dialing in. We have a year to dial what adjuncts we want uh, to add to this thing because they'll age it for the full year and then they'll add the adjuncts uh, after that to kind of tweak the flavors a little bit and then we'll kind of take it from there but uh yeah that's it's gonna go into barrel probably within like the next uh maybe a week or two and then a year from that point your boy's gonna get like 30 bottles or something somewhere between 20 and 30 bottles of this beer that i'm going to uh, i'll probably drink for 30 episodes in a row sorry guys uh 29 because you're gonna at least hook your boy up yeah. with one of them yeah i got i got a couple people uh i've promised a couple of them too so 24 gonna, episodes 24 episodes yeah. in a row yeah all right, all right. okay Thank you very much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Stats Matter Podcast. We hope you found it entertaining. Obviously, preseason football ending. Mm-hmm. Tim, by the time we record, oh. 
Next week, we're going to be getting back to our football show, <laughs> the predictions and all kinds of stuff. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, and uh, your boy's already got his outfit picked out. <sighs> That's the DeKalen Metcalf jersey. Very excited. Very excited to see it. Yep. Might, we, yeah. we might have to fuck around and actually do a YouTube show just, just to capture all the all the feels and all the emotions on that one. I agree. I agree. This one might have to go. Uh, this might have to go big time. But uh, anyway, sorry for Sam's take on boxing. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So we'll see you guys next week. Uh, <laughs> 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 but anyway, cheers, everybody. 